Really excited for today's show on the Locked On Nationals podcast today. Connor Jones joins me for the first time in a while. We talk a lot about the Silver Slugger Award. We talk about the bullpen. We talk about spending strategies for the Nationals in free agency. A whole lot to get to. Really fun show. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast here on this Friday, November 6th, 2020. Connor Jones joining me today. A whole lot to get to. Uh, first things first, Connor, some news. Juan Soto wins the Silver Slugger Award this year, I believe, for uh, left field. And, uh, you know, that's not too much of a shock. That's something that we thought. I think the bigger shock is Trey Turner did not get it at shortstop. And I thought he deserved it. This is, and, and you know me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, it's not like I'm partial to, to say to those guys, but I really actually think Trey Turner should have won it. Well, I'm a little bit partial. So <laughs> I, 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 I do agree with you. I think that Trey Turner had a very legitimate case. Juan Soto, I mean, I think that's something we all saw coming. He had an excellent year. Would have even had better numbers if it wasn't for the, the probable false positive COVID test to start the season. But Trey Turner, I think, is another guy that did did deserve a silver slugger. You wonder if kind of the attention to Tease Jr. got being on a, a team that was better this year. Um, you know, Tatis certainly brought a lot of excitement to the MLB season in 2020. Had a great year as well, so you can't take that away from him. But you wonder if maybe the team he played on as well as kind of, you know, the energy he played with maybe factored in a little bit there. But I think numbers-wise, Trey Turner had a legitimate argument there. Yeah, I do too. I just think, well, it was production, and, and it was also tougher for those those two guys this year, you know, with not a whole lot of help around them. Um, and, you know, I think that just their seasons they had were unbelievable. So Juan definitely deserved it. And I think Trey deserved some serious consideration for that award. Um, and also to really weird decision by, by MLB to have their, their awards being released on, on election night. Like that was really bizarre. It was a bad way to get attention. I thought. Yeah, that was really weird. I mean, it, <laughs> it's the, when it's like the gold glove ceremony, like stuff like that, I guess people aren't, um, maybe aren't super interested anyway so you kind of wonder what the rating but like give yourself a chance right like like you're not giving yourself a chance if you put it then yeah i i definitely agree i mean especially this time of year you know there's basketball's not on hockey's not on it's kind of just a football time of the year as far as team sports go so you maybe pick one of those tuesday or wednesdays during the week where maybe there's not much going on and and you you probably can improve the ratings a little bit but i think that's where a lot of people's arguments kind of with mlb's inability to kind of help themselves out or get out of their own way comes because it's it, maybe it's not a big thing but it, it also probably shouldn't be a tough thing yeah let's move on to the nationals bullpen speaking out of speaking about uh getting out of your own way now this was a group that had uh was in their own way a lot this year the Nats bullpen and you want to look at what's coming back this season will harris who struggled and was also injured this year difficult season for him they're bringing back daniel hudson as well too I'm really curious about which which of these guys in the bullpen, for, for, at least from the starting part, are going to move back to the bullpen, right? So I'm curious about Fetty. I'm curious about Vothic. I think Fetty is somebody that if you only add one more arm or you only add, you know, you know, whatever you add, that's a guy that I could – I'm actually okay with being your fifth starter. I think both you got to give him a shot as a long reliever. I was saying – you and I talked about this earlier in the year. I think that's something that they should actually consider doing just because – we know he's got starter distance. It's a guy who's had some success. 
He's a guy, but you know, this year was not obviously. He's he's a guy who you got under control, and I think it can take up a spot in your bullpen. Like I, I think that's a good, sometimes low leverage spot for him to be in, and also gain some confidence. Again, I think that would be a good idea for him. What do you think? Yeah, if you're gonna do something with him, it's got to be that because you. Well, can't what else? What else can you do with him? Right? And what else? Yeah. Can you do with him? I mean, except for move on. <laughs> yeah, well, I, well yeah, but I, I wouldn't. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with putting him in that long relief spot. The thing about that is he's going to have to be efficient in that spot. If, if a guy attacks hitters, gives up a solo home run every once in a while, there's really not a, a problem with it because usually the game's kind of out of reach one way or another when they're getting innings. So you need somebody to go in there, save the rest of the bullpen and throw strikes. So if they can get Austin both to do that, I think he can have some success in that role. But I think the biggest thing is trying to find a fourth starter on the free agent market to give you some depth in the starting rotation. Cause I think that's where you saw the team had a lot of problems last year where, you know, Strasburg goes down and they just didn't have the depth behind that front three. They came into the season with. So that's a good lead into where I really wanted to go with you is that, yeah, that fourth starter, right. That's kind of the, the big talking point. You, you move on from Sanchez and now you're in a spot where you've got some guys uh, in the farm system, you can consider, right? Like Will Crow is somebody you can consider, didn't have a great performance. Um, Seth Romero's, you know, I know they use him out of the bullpen, but he is a starter by trade. Jackson Rutledge, maybe not ready just yet. So they are going to have to go out and get somebody, right? They've got some options, but all those options are guys that would would be good as a fifth starter, right? As, as somebody you bring in, you know, to end to round out your rotation. I think with this free agency class, they've got a lot of really good opportunities to get somebody in that fourth spot. And I, and the first person, actually, the one I really liked was Jose Quintana. I thought as a fourth guy, Jose Quintana would be a great option for them. Just kind of fits that mold. He's over 30. He's somebody that didn't have a great season, but we, you know, we've seen a high level performance with the nationals. There would be less stress on him than in the other places he was in. Right. He would be the fourth guy. So it's not like you're, you're depending on him like a one or a two, like he had been in times in the past. What do you think about Quintana and what are some of the other names that you think uh, the Nationals go and get for that fourth guy? Yes. Yeah, so he's certainly one of the names. It's going to come down to kind of where they see themselves fitting in financially and how much they can allocate to that spot. Cause they're after coming off of 2020, they're a team that obviously has a lot of other needs that they have to fit in here as right. well. But in addition to that name that you threw out there, Taiwan Walker's a guy. I mean, MLB Trade Rumors actually projected him to go to the Nats on a two-year $16 million deal. So maybe they're going to be interested there, whether it's a guy like Corey Kluber, who there maybe there's some risk, some upside there, but also, you know, the injury history. So depending on his health, could Corey Kluber be a guy that they're interested in for that spot? Um so I think you could see things go a couple different ways. Like Charlie Morton is another one. He may be tough. That's I, mean, what I thought so, yeah. You wonder if he, he kind of sounds like he wants to stay in Florida, maybe even retire. So he's kind of up in the air. But there's certainly some guys out there. You need to find somebody to kind of to, to give you some length in the rotation and hope everybody else stays healthy. Because I think the internal options, maybe they have some guys that they can trust down the line. But I'm personally not ready to trust them in 2021. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there right now. They've got six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Those go along with their 12 original flavors. All of these have chocolate, six with nut, six without nut, coconut, almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, uh, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, 
toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. There really is something for everybody, and they're all delicious. I've had all of them, and I really enjoy all of them. My favorite right now is the mint brownie one. Uh, it's always kind of been a dark horse for me. It's really taken over a nice, sweet treat, uh, and it's good for you as well, too. Right now, you have a chance to win a free cooler with your purchase. Not only that, you'll use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Once again, go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get 20% off on your next order. Yeah, I think uh, they could get some good value too, right? Morton's not a guy that you're going to sign to a long-term deal just because of his age, right, at 37. Yeah, he's so, probably a one-year deal guy. Yes, uh, definitely. There's, you know, there, there are a, a few big names, right? There's the Marcus Strowmans of the world, and I don't think they're in the market for a guy like that. The idea would be if you signed a guy like that, you would be saying, okay, Max is one year away from moving on. So we've got somebody kind of to slide into that, that you know, that, that part of the rotation once he is gone. I'm not convinced Max, like, once that deal is up, he's out of D.C. I just think that with his career in D.C., it would make sense for him to come back if he, if he plans on continuing to pitch. Right, I think it might make sense. That's for probably him. a safe assumption. Or that he wants to keep pitching. Yeah. I, yeah. I no. I think. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But but you know, I like. Would you agree with that? That that you know, given what Max has done in DC, always accomplished individually and collectively as a team, that if the Nationals willing to, to give him the right amount of money, something that's agreeable for both sides, considering his age and considering what he's done for the team, that that's probably going to happen. Yeah, I think that there's a high likelihood of him taking maybe a one or two year deal with the Nats after this year and kind of seeing where things go from there. Because with the amount of time he's been here, the career he's had, you kind of assume that he may want to finish things off here, especially if he has another strong 2021, which I certainly think he can have. I think that he still has a few good years left in him. So I think that to get back to your original point, I don't think there's the need isn't there for a top right. starter. Right. There's much greater needs to fill especially offensively so i think if they're going to go for a, a bigger money free agent it's going to be on the offensive side yeah because you know i was talking today earlier and thinking about some of the free agents you know i think they're going to go big game hunting i think springer is the guy that we're we're all pretty sure makes a lot of sense and the nationals need some hitting out of that right field spot um you know he plays center but he's played a ton of games in right so I think that's where he'd end up being. What's interesting to me is if they don't get Real Muto, who is, oh, I don't think they're going to get, but I think they're going to make a pass at. They're just going to, you know, not as much as Springer. but And they don't get Springer, who I do think they're going to pursue pretty hard. I think there's a chance that they get pretty, get three guys who are upper-level guys, you know, mid, mid to upper-level guys at the right field, the starting pitching, and the catcher positions. So they're going to spend probably 10-plus million a year at each one of those spots and, you know, kind of some of those two-year deals, right? So maybe it's a, a Jock Peterson that you get to play right field. Maybe it is a guy, uh, you know, like you said, like a Taiwan Walker who you get at starting pitching. And then also too, maybe it's a Jake McCann, right? At catching. So you're going to kind of, as opposed to getting the big fish and then trying to go, you know, maybe bargaining at those other positions. I think there's a chance that if they miss out on one of those big fish, they end up going equal distribution with some pretty good players at each spot. What do you think the strategy is going to be? Yeah, I think Springer, I think they're going to be interested for sure. That contract is going to be similar to the Real Muto deal. So it may be, I don't know what the number of spots they have to fill, if they're going to be willing to do that. If not, maybe you'll see them go down to a guy like Marcelo Zuna or maybe even DJ LeMayhew, even though he's not a great offensive fit or a defensive fit, excuse me. But 
I think one way or another, they've got to find some more, some more power in the middle of that order to help out Juan Soto. Trey Turner was phenomenal at the top. If it was a, it's, it's a year like this year, roster construction wise, you almost have to consider moving Trey Turner back into the middle of the order to give you another run producer in there. But obviously I struggle with like that though. Still, I just, yeah, I, yeah, I just, no, I agree. I'd like yeah. to, I'd rather pick up a, another offensive option. Someone like Springer or Ozuna or real Muto to kind of, to, really make you feel good about that lineup. So it depends kind of where they see themselves financially and how many needs they're going to have to fill from outside the organization. But I think any of those names, they're certainly interested and they're going to be in the market for them to some degree. Yeah. And I think I mentioned this earlier on, on the, the Thursday show was that, you know, the, it's really difficult for these national league teams to go out and, you know, uh, evaluate offense because they're not sure if they're going to have a DH, right? Marcelo Zuna is not somebody you're going to get to have to play outfield. Correct. He, I mean, like he's, he's going to be DHing, but you don't no know. DH. You can wait, but you don't know. You don't know yet. Yeah, and I, no I think that that, that, that guy's going to the American League, and right. the same at the same time, when you sign somebody like that, it gives you a lot less flexibility. I mean, if yes, if you want to, you know, mix guys like maybe Howie Kendrick or Ryan Zimmerman or right. both are back. If you want to try and mix those guys in, and you don't have that DH spot, it makes it a lot harder to do that. Yeah, that's that was my question, but also, you know, I just think the National League teams are at such a, at such a disadvantage because they've got no clue whether or not they're going to have a DH, and so you got guys out there like Nelson Cruz and and Marcelo Azuna who are, you know, those are not players you're going to put anywhere near the field right now. But you can't go out and reasonably chase them because you don't know if you have a spot for them. Not only are the National League teams at a disadvantage, but players like Azuna and Cruz are at a disadvantage. Yes, their market shrinks in half yes. if there's no DH available for them in the NL. Right. And that's actually, a, it's, a, it's a normal problem, right? But it's one of those Correct. where we just yeah, got a taste, we just got a taste of not having that issue. And I mean, God forbid, like I, yeah. I hate, I would be so mad if they went back to having, they, they went back to having no DH. Like I would just be so angry about that. It, would, it makes no sense at all. Um, the other one I'm wondering about is third base. And I was really thinking about it because Justin Turner is available. I think that's a name that can make a lot of sense for the Nats to get. Um, you know, maybe not the maybe his public perception could could tack a few dollars off his age, tax a few dollars off. And for the Nats, a team that's not really sure about what's going to happen at second slash third base, because, you know, they ideally they want Starlin, Starlin at second, but they can't ideally put him there because Carter Keeblin might not hold up his end of the deal at third. So what do you think about trying to grab a veteran infielder? I know they got Josh Harrison, but he's not somebody who plays third base. So what do you think about the idea of getting somebody like a Justin Turner to kind of help supplement uh, maybe the struggles that Carter Keboom has if he continues to play like that? Yeah, third base is a tough one because you have Carter Keboom. Like you mentioned, Starlin Castro is going to be back. Then you have Luis Garcia. So you have some young guys that you want to – you'd like to bring them along and get them some at-bats. I think if you get another guy in the outfield, it makes it easier to to maybe be patient with your third baseman. Justin Turner – it's I, I like the idea of bringing him in. I don't see it happening just because if you bring somebody like that in at that position, it completely blocks those younger players. So if you want to stick with them at all, you almost have to give them some opportunity for playing playing time. Turner, he's getting older. He, I don't think he was the same player this year that he's been no, he in the past. Not. I personally see him going back to the Dodgers um, on a smaller contract. I don't think he's going to get a, a, a big deal really at all, but – so, you know, kind of for those reasons, I, I don't see it working out um, just because I think you, you have to 
give Keeboom and Garcia some opportunity. If you bring somebody in, it's going to be an older um, kind of like we've seen them do with Ezdrubal Cabrera and, and that kind of scenario. Uh, are there any other outfielders that you like going back to this outfield thing really fast? Because that's the spot, right? Right field, they're going to need to get something out of. I saw Michael, you know, I, I Michael Brantley is not the worst idea in the world, but the issue I have there is he's another one of those guys who's more of a top of the lineup guy, right? That's kind of like somebody that you pair with Trey one, two. It's not a guy you can slide back three, four, and five. And the real thing is, like, like if anything else, the Nats, they have to get some protection. I don't know what form it's going to come in, for, for Soto at least. I'm not sure what form it comes in, but that's what they have to get. They have to get some form of protection for Juan Soto. Yeah, Castro, Castro being back makes that a little bit more interesting, kind of because right. you can put him in the middle of the lineup, and he was – He's obviously not Anthony Rendon, and this is kind of what we talked about last offseason over and over again. But he's but he's good he though. He's very hitter. he's a good yeah, he's, he's a good hitter. He's somebody that they want to have for sure. When you have somebody like Castro, it makes maybe bringing in a Brantley if they think that's more financially feasible, something you you can consider doing because in that scenario, maybe you even push Juan Soto up into the two spot and then have Starlin Castro hit third with Brantley fourth you know, something like that. And, or maybe even you hit Brantley third and Castro fourth because you don't mind stacking the two lefties with the new reliever rule. So I think there's some options. Castro gives you some depth in your lineup that to, to maybe consider a guy like that. Peterson, I don't necessarily know if he's as good of a fit just because you're, who are you going to platoon with him? Right. Cause he can't at lefties. Yeah. You need need more of a, in my opinion, a more of an everyday guy, whoever you go out there and get. Yeah, it, it was curious because I was going to the list and I almost I actually got to Eaton again. I actually got back to Adam Eaton where I was, you know, and this is something that Mark Zuckerman mentioned. If it does get down to the end of things and they're not able to find somebody, uh, you know, that they've maybe spent money elsewhere, like I don't hate the idea of bringing him back. I know the season was bad, but but the value that you would get him at is very low. Like he is not going to, he's going to be on a one year deal. And maybe as a, you know, maybe you say, okay, we're not going to go big. We're not going to you know, spend a ton of money elsewhere you know, this, this offseason. You bring him back and maybe you give it a go in 2021 in terms of free agency if you're not totally sold on the guys this year. I don't know. I think that's something they if, – if they're like – if they're really not in on anybody, I actually don't have a problem with that. If they, if they were to able – if they were to explain that and say, look, we didn't see anybody we wanted. We did want to spend a ton of money on a guy we weren't totally sold on, and we'd rather just take that and then go after it again in free agency – in 2021 i know a lot of nas fans would not like to hear that but i it's something that i'm not totally against i'm not against it if you go out and i'm not against bringing in someone like marcelo zuna if the dh is available and then bringing adam eaton back right or you yeah, can yeah. go yeah trey or yeah trey um you know eaton soto ozuna is your front four and then you can slot castro in the five hole and whoever it is down the line i think that in that scenario, you can do it. It's just it, one of those positions you do need to get another another middle-of-the-order offensive threat at some level, I think. I think to, to get back to trying to be a playoff team and, and competing in the National League, that's just got to happen because you look at the offenses across the league, what Atlanta can do and L.A. can do, it's just you got you to gotta get close there and, and then obviously take care of the starting pitching issue as well. Yeah, I, I think the signing of Real Mito could put some pressure on because – you know, you and I have talked about this too. I don't think he's going to he's not going to be going too far. I think the Nationals, you know, they'd love to have him, obviously. 
But I, I don't, I know, I think if they don't sign him, he's going to be representing a team they play an awful lot because it feels like a lot of the teams in the division are interested in his services, right? We know for the fact that you know, the Nationals would love that. We know for a fact the Phillies want him back. And we know for a fact the Mets would love to have him. So I think there's, you know, I think there's a chance that they could, they could be seeing uh, a lot of him. And I think seeing other big signing in your division, that puts some heat on, on the Nationals, especially because they just got under the tax. And yeah, I think it, it feels be... like there's no excuse to spend. I think they're going to be in it with all those guys, kind of the top of the top of the line offensive free agents, because you kind of have to be. I mean, you can make the positions work. If they did want to go out and even get Lemayhew, they could move Caster to third and put Lemayhew at second, and that's right. that. They're they're perfectly fine doing that. So whatever fits, you know, I think financially, and you can almost make the the defense work with your outfielders, especially if you have the DH. Then you can be flexible. I think the most important thing is just finding somebody in that middle of the order to help out Juan Soto. Because they're so close. They're so close to having a really awesome lineup. I mean, think about it. They're, they're one guy away and pick whoever you want, you know, whether it's LeMayhew. And here's the thing. It's really interesting. You and I like Luis Garcia. You know, you and I are not like, oh, he's the greatest player of all time. People seem to think like he's not very good. And they, they don't seem to recognize that he's a guy who's 20 years old. He is the youngest player. He's, you know, the only player this year in the 2000s, born in the 2000s, I believe to hit a home run. Somebody else might've hit one, but he's one of, you know, he was the first guy to do it. The guy's 20 years old was thrown into the middle of the season for a guy who got hurt in January, had no expectation of being a major league player. And I thought he performed really, I mean, if you put all those circumstances together and then you look at his performance at the end of the season, I'm so pleased with what they got from him. And I know some people are like, well, the defense is awful. Yeah. We know the defense is awful. It's going to take some time with that. But you can't act like this kid's not a legit big league player, like as he is right now, offensively for sure. Young players, they don't, they're typically not ready defensively at that age. Like even Juan Soto, yes. field, he's gotten a lot better since he came up. I mean, the offense was kind of there from the get go, but defensively, he's definitely worked at that. And he's still and not that good. He's, he's still not a good of a, of a left. I mean, I'd say he's, I'd say he's a, an average to a defensively this year. He's a bit below average. average. He's a, he was a, this season, he's a bit below average. But yes, yeah, he had to work on that. Yeah, I, I think same thing goes for Luis Garcia. The hard part is it's not an organization that's going to be patient if you struggle. They don't, they're trying to contend year after year. And when you're trying to do that, it's just you don't have the luxury of being patient with younger players and just letting them work through it. And I think I've made this point before with Michael A. Taylor. I think a lot of the reason that he never really panned out as an everyday guy is because they never had the opportunity to, to let him work through his struggles. They'd pull the plug and they'd throw somebody else in there, which when you're trying to compete for your division, you almost have to do. So that's kind of the scenario with Kiboom. He struggles, you know, you, you pull him out. Garcia, if he struggles, what do you do with him? So, yeah, I agree on, on Garcia. I, I don't think it's fair to say that he's not a good player. He's 20 years old in the major leagues. That's, that's yes, he it's to be. ridiculous. And, and the, here's the thing, too. The benefit he's got is that on a team that needs offense, he's, he was a good hitter. And I think that's the one great saving grace you have is that, with, you know, a lot of the defensive stuff, yeah, it's, it's a work in progress. But it's a lot easier to make that jump defensively when you're, when, especially when we've watched him play and you know that he's got great defensive, uh, he's got great potential on defense, like I'm a whole lot more uh, accepting of that because I know, hey, look, this guy, it's not like he can't move. It's not like his feet are in quicksand. He's a really good athlete. He's, you know, give him two or three years and let him grow into his body. He's going to be a machine, like just like gigantic. He's going to be a big dude. I'm totally fine with him playing second base 
especially if he keeps bringing that kind of production hitting wise. Because that's why, you know, you, you brought up LeMahieu and I thought it was interesting. I think a lot of fans see it that way where they think they need to bring in somebody to play second base, you know, so they can get a situation or, or third base so they can get a situation where it's Castro and whoever else. So it's not Garcia. I, I just, I'm starting to get that sentiment from a, a few people that I talked to is they just don't think Garcia's ready. Like they think this year was a proof that he's not ready. I didn't really understand that. Yeah, Garcia, and it's also not just on him to improve the team's defense. It was awful it was, all around. It was horrible all around. It was, like, it, it, yeah. took a humongous step back. He wasn't the center fielder that he Trey was. Trey had a bad year, too. Trey, had a, Trey so. had a bad year down defense also. Yeah, like there's, it's, it goes way further than that, and you need to kind of count on other people. Adam Eaton, he was not good in right field. No. So you, catching, that was the problem. So it's, it was just it was really an across-the-board issue. So I think you have to be patient with Luis Garcia – and and really try and upgrade at some some other spots defensively. I couldn't imagine. if they had DJ Lemayhew, that lineup would be unbelievable. And you could have a, a four guys in the front of the order. I mean Turner, Castro, Lemayhew, and Soto. And that's the thing about it when you think when you think about it, right? Is that they're so much closer than they look this year. Oh, like, no doubt. It's 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 really weird to think, right? I mean, we like it was so bad this season everything kind of also just broke against them like it was just right it was yeah. just one of those years it was a quick season and if the, if they had another 102 games they may have been able to kind of battle back into that especially if what the eight playoff team format i mean they the season would have turned out differently i mean we have to remember over 50 games last year that was a disaster so i think if right. that team kept playing they're playing a lot better at the end of the year i think we would have seen them finish differently i don't know if they're a i don't know if they are a playoff team but i think they play a lot better and win a, a much greater percentage of games than they had yeah and th- that bears mentioning because like that factors into us talking about free agency right like are they going to spend like a team that is a couple pieces away i think they, so yeah I and think. i think they sh- i think but that, that's why i was saying do you, you know if you miss out on one of the big guys do you spend you know uh do you, do you spend a bit more money for those next tier guys at multiple positions so you can say hey all right we've got our star players trey and and Juan. let's get a couple complimentary guys let's see if we can bring along some of the young guys and we get castro back and we get obviously strasburg back like i i don't think you know i don't think they necessarily have to get one of those big names to be a competitive team next year world series team probably not but competitive they're not that far away yeah they i think that they're they're looking at it as they're trying to get back into contention immediately here in 2021 this year I, I mean you even look at the turnover since the world series they have 10 guys left from that roster i was reading a mass article it's been slightly over a calendar year and they've got only 10 guys left from that team which is nuts but i think that they still they still have the ability to to reload around the the core that they do have they they're still only one year removed from winning the world series and when Strasburg goes down and you completely whiff on Eric Thames and Robles has a bad year, both offensively and defensively Zimmerman opted out. Like you see a lot of different areas where you can, where you can upgrade. I mean, Anibal Sanchez, I, you feel like whoever you bring in for that spot is going to be an upgrade. There's so you no look way kind of across worse. the board. You see, you kind of on paper, you think we're going to be better here. We're going to be better here. We're going to be better here. And you kind of keep looking at that and you think, yeah, you're going to be back competing for a playoff spot. To close out kind of where we started, what do you do about the bullpen, right? Because, and I'm against, I'm against the big signings. I'm against going, going and paying money for guys. 
not saying this is Will Harris's fault, but difficult season for him with the end. I mean, you know, I, but I just be honest. I thought when you said I'm against the big signings, you're just referencing Will Harris right there. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like you think about it too, like Edwin Diaz is a great example of this, right? You go out, you go and spend a lot of money on a pre, and I know these guys are premiums, but how often, Connor, do we see guys? And this is this is something that how many nationals have we seen former Nats go elsewhere? And it's like this guy is lights out. Uh, Blake Trinan, great example of a former national who went somewhere else and was lights out, right? Drew Storen had a, had a season, I believe, where he, uh, you know, he was like lights out. This happens. You know, Mark Melanson now, who is a former national, is pitched better, I guess you could say, in other places. It's it's almost you're almost better off taking a flyer on a guy and it, it kind of happening for you, right? Than going out there and spending the big bucks on a reliever. Yeah, I, I do want to apologize to Will Harris a little bit just after the shot I took at him. Yeah, it was, a big, he was yeah, actually was... not bad last year. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't it, it wasn't good. I mean he finished he finished the year with a with a two seven over his last 15 games and he pitched 20 over the season. So yeah, I'm I mean, saying also getting injured as well too. It's not, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. Right. yeah it's, but yeah. you can, I mean, you can actually look at it and think, Will Harris is going to be a guy that's going to bounce back and right. help you out. So, so that's the plan there. Bullpen wise. I think they have some options. I mean, Tannerini is one that you trust in the back, in the back yes. end. I think Sean Doodle and Daniel Hudson, you could sit there and look and think, a lot of the reason they struggled in 2020 is because they probably rode them so hard in 2019. I think that at their age, they kind of, they kind of wore down and they asked a lot of both of them in 2019, not only in a, in the playoffs for an entire month where they really had no other options out of the bullpen besides when they were using Patrick Corbin as a starter and a reliever. They, it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. They needed to, to ride Doolittle all year to make the playoffs. They needed when Daniel Hudson got traded to DC near the end of June or the end of July, they had to, they basically rode him for three months to try and get to where they needed to go. So it's, it's obviously worth it for them as players and for the team, you know, that they did that, but there's some, there's some cost to it. And I think that's a lot of the problem we saw with the bullpen last season was just kind of a, a carryover from people being worn out from 2019. So I'm against the big signings there as well. They're so risky with relievers. It seems like those yes. guys can come and go from year to year. Um, I think you try and you try and trust Rainey a lot. I think, you know, you're going to have Hudson. Um, so maybe you go after someone like Brad hand, if you want to try and have yeah. that lefty threat if the, at the back of the bullpen, depending on what the market is there, I think it would have to be, it'd have to be reasonable for them to do it in my opinion, but Trinan's even available if you want to try that again. So there's some guys that they can try to, to bring in and, and strengthen that a little bit. But I think another thing is hopefully the starting rotation getting deeper into games and having Strasburg back is going to take some of that stress off the bullpen. So hopefully the combination of those two factors will, will help, help them improve going into 2021. Yeah. You know, I know it all sounds, sounds optimistic, but I mean, you know, it's, it's it's right there for them. I mean, it being competitive is right there. And here's the thing too, you know, kind of ending yours. They don't have a choice. Like like this team, if you want to compete in this division, it it is the it was the most competitive division last year in my estimation. Like that Mets, I think the same thing you're saying about about the about the Nats applies the Phillies and the Mets too. Like those two teams would have been more competitive in a longer season. The Marlins made the playoffs. They were the team that we thought would be a a seller dweller. If you want to compete in this division, 
you're gonna have to bring. You have, you're gonna have to spend a little money. You have to. I mean, unless you're the Marlins, you kind of luck into that shit. But you know, like you're not. I think for the Nats, the spot they're in, they don't have those guys that can just bring up and it'll work all of a sudden. You have to spend some money. Yeah, well, they haven't been able to develop pitching. I mean, that's been when you when you can't do that, you just have to spend money. Jackson Rutledge, fingers crossed. Jackson Rutledge. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully that improves, and maybe you don't have to go out there every year in the free agent market and try and find a starter. <laughs> you spend twenty five million dollars on a starter. Yeah, at the at the deadline and try and trade for relievers. So, yeah, like I mean, that's kind of where where what we see starts but yeah you do have to go out there and spend money to compete in this division i mean atlanta they're not going away anytime soon maybe only no. getting better no, um, the mets are trying to compete the phillies are certainly trying to compete and the marlins were way more respectable than everybody anticipated and that's that starting rotation is starting to get a little scary down there in miami so yeah it's gonna be it's not easy in this division and i think it kind of forces you to go out there and and, and spend money to have a chance should be excited though. Should be good. All right, Connor. I appreciate your time, man. We always enjoy it.